Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey y'all, it's Jacqueline. Just a quick content note before the episode starts. This episode deals in part with the history of black sexual oppression in the United States. If you are black, you don't want to spend any minutes of your Black History Month hashing that shit out. That is 100% understandable, and I support that. I would say just start... Listen through minute six, which is basically when the lightning round ends, and then pick it up again at about 18 minutes and 30 seconds, and you'll get all of the good liberatory stuff without going through painful history you probably already know and understand. Uh, For everybody else, if you can, listen. This history is really important for us to know and understand, and some incredibly smart black women you're about to meet spend some real emotional and academic labor bringing it to you. So that said, here's the show. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and we are having a Black History Month episode of Unscrewed and specifically talking about the black history of sexuality in the United States, which is complicated, to say the least. Uh, And so to help me out, I have two gorgeous guests today. I have with me Delicia Sa and Rafaela Fialo from Afrosexology, which is an organization that's working to promote Black self-empowerment through sexual liberation, which is an amazing vision and mission. Women, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having us. Hey, yes, thank you. Yeah, I've been uh, listening to you on all of my favorite sexuality podcasts for like a couple of years now. And so I'm honestly late to the party getting you on the show. So I'm glad to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before we get into that huge subject I just laid out, uh, I'm going to have to put you through the unscrewed lightning round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. What has been making you happy this week? Lots of sleep. (laughs) Yes, I think I have to echo lots of sleep and reading. Reading some things that are just like non-related to social work or sexuality. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I just for me sleep. I've been sick with the flu. And so I have been allowing my body to rest and just sleep all day for about a week now. And it's been the best thing ever. I mean, it sucks that you have the flu, but that sounds amazing. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) that sounds really good. Excellent. Yeah. All right. What's some of the best sex advice you ever received? Honestly, just like someone telling me the most important sexual relationship is the one with myself and to like masturbate. 
I mean, has been transformational. I feel like I'm just stealing all of Delisha's ideas. <laughs> but that is a solid one that I tell everybody as well. So Yeah, that's one of my mottos too. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah. All right. What's been making you the maddest or saddest lately about the sexual culture? Um, the silencing of people's experiences and just ignoring And that ranges from how people want to explore, express their sexuality and their identities. Are you thinking about anything in particular? Everything. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just everything in the news from um, hate crimes to people's bodies being used to survivor stories not being amplified or even sought out. Those are the things that I'm seeing in the media a lot. So it really pisses me off. And uh, it's just a frustrating situation that really highlights like why we're doing this work and why it's so necessary. Yeah, echoing all of that. I think for me, the Surviving R. Kelly documentary mm. really, really, really hit me hard. And yeah, just the fact that it feels like we're kind of already past it. <laughs> like we've already forgotten <sighs> that quickly. Uh, yeah. All right, so what is a myth about sex that you used to believe but don't believe anymore? I used to believe that sex had to include penetration of some sort. Like, I didn't know that sexual experiences that did not involve penetration could be counted as sex. The very first thing I could think of is, like, one of the things I heard very early on is, like, how painful the first couple of times are expected to be. And so then you just... Either if it never stops and you feel like something's wrong with you or you just kind of suck it up and just make the decision to believe that sex is for someone with a penis to have all the pleasure from instead of, you know, if you're a person with a vulva. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Last lightning round question is... Who's somebody who's doing really brave work around unscrewing the sexual culture that you want to give a shout out to? Um, I guess so someone who's been really impactful for me personally is Evie and Whitney with the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. And she runs Sex, Love and Liberation. Just her sensual selfies and her ability to put herself out there as this like sensual being. I don't know. I just like it. I still feel like not even brave enough to do that. And I just love how she challenges and encourages us to do it. So I'm a fan of hers. Yes. Um, I'm going to, since you said group, I'm actually going to shout out the group of people everywhere (laughs) who are really working in the communities and the schools at the nonprofit level to really give people sexuality and sex education when people want them to do abstinence only, when people want them to focus on like shaming and using guilt tactics, people who are really trying to challenge the idea that children don't deserve to have sex education that is accessible or even liberating. So I want to shout out the people who are really doing that work and fighting to make sure that it is available for kids so that we are not continuing to grow generations after generations of people who have to heal from a bunch of stuff when they're in their adulthood. Yes. Here's to all the unsung sex educators. And Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of them among unscrewed nations. So absolutely. All right. You did great in the lightning round. It's a big kind of topic that I've asked you on to talk about, but I wonder if you can give me and our listeners just like a little 
primer for folks who are less familiar on the ways in which black folks have been historically sexually oppressed in the United States. I know you're not going to let's let's just disclaim there's no way you're going to cover everything important. But like for folks who haven't really thought about specifically black sexual oppression, like what are the most important things to know? Yeah, that's um such a big question and such it's it's heavy. The deep side was more so about how heavy it is yeah. to have to rethink and recount these things to people who don't think about it or have it it has never crossed their mind because as a black woman navigating America, it's always something that I'm constantly thinking about and yeah. aware of. I'm trying to like stay in my body as I say this, even though I feel myself being detached and wanting to be like, here's the facts. But I'm like, that's not that's not how you honor people's stories and experiences. That's super real. And I really appreciate you being transparent about all of that. Yeah, we we definitely like emphasizing the pleasure (laughs) more than the oppression. But we know that trauma is a part of the narrative of liberation, especially when we live in such a violent culture. So I think really just sitting back with specifically like black people in America throughout colonization white people in a lot of different cultures in the Middle East, in Asian cultures, in all throughout Africa, the Caribbean, Latin America, have come into contact with cultures that are way more bodied than mind focused. So cultures who have a way more positive view towards nudity, cultures who are way more expressive in their dance, we often like joke when we're doing one of our radical tour classes about how the way that West African people dance is like so like their whole body is in it. And it's just like feeling it versus like what was happening in Europe with like the waltz, which is like, <laughs> you're, you know, you're like yeah. counting and it's very structured. And you're having that culture come in contact with people who were seen as as wild, who were free. And instead of coming in contact and wanting to be like, whoa, what is this feeling? How can we learn there was an immediate desire to suppress it, to demonize it, to do things to distance people from that knowing, from that way of being. And so you, you've seen those tactics happen all throughout, but coming specifically back to America and Black people in this country, we, a lot of us, I hope, are at least familiar with the reality that slavery happened here. And, and throughout that, rape was very much a part of a normalized part of it. So throughout the the slave trade, America was one of the only places where they did not go back for more people because they decided to create breeding camps here and force people to produce more labor for them. So they would tie people's worth to how much children they were able to produce they would say oh you can be free after you have 13 kids so people were forced to have sex with one another and in a way that it was called breeding and then also systematically black people did not have ownership over their bodies and so sexual violence at the hands of white men and white women were happening all of the time and there wasn't a space to reject that and so within our community In response to that, we developed a silence mentality of like, well, we can't control the pain and the trauma that's coming to us. We can't control the violence that we have to endure, but we can control like our mental state and like appear strong by not talking about it. So 
some of the work that we've had to do is to unpack the silence that has been around sexuality and sexual violence that has been normalized in our culture as a survival mechanism from the amount of sexual trauma that people were experiencing during slavery. Mm. And so that's a part of it. The way that Black people have been hypersexualized, there's been all these myths that because in Africa people were more comfortable with their body or because here in America we are seen as animals and less than human, we are unrapeable because we are so hypersexual. And so even this like myth around the black man and the big penis and the black man being this like sexual god and prowess, um, this black man being the super rapist of like pure white women, or this idea of black women just being so tempting and sexual and all of these things to where it's like you're so unrapeable because you're always, always asking for it. And we've seen that narrative translate even today when people are sexually violating Black people. And the narrative is that, like, well, they were asking mm-hmm. for it. Like, how can you rape someone who's, who is, like, look at them and um, look how they look, look how they're developed, look at their lips, look at the whatever, all of these things. So all of that has still been carried out from that time period. Um, if you look at history, when people were lynching Black men, they were cutting off their genitals and saving that. Oh, God. Chills. Okay. And saving that as like a token of what they were doing. And so there's always been this connection between violating people's bodies sexually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually violating the Black body in this country in a very, very violent way. Even now, so the lack of freedom that Black people have around their bodies. So just even thinking about the fact that like Mike Brown was killed because he was a Black person walking in the middle mm-hmm. of the street. Kayvon Martin was killed because he was a Black person in a hoodie walking in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So even the lack of agency and freedom that people have to, to just be in their bodies, which is why for us, it's so important to be doing this work because we want Black people to reclaim our bodies. Like our bodies was the first thing that was taken from us and used in this country to build this country and yet in so many different ways today our bodies are still being limited whether that's through reproductive justice or police brutality or um, the prison industrial complex there's just so many ways that the black body is still not ours so that's why for us this work is what we do because we we really believe that like it is ours to reclaim to own to have agency over it to choose what happens to it especially in a country that is built on and runs on exploitation of the black body so yeah oof yeah wow i'm also trying to you know take that all in and stay bodied thinking about it too so i can only imagine what that feels like for you yeah thank you mhm Rafael, is there anything that you wanted to add to that? Um, you know, the only thing that I'm just really sitting on is the idea that oppression is both a cause and effect of sexual violence. So as we know, sex, sexual violence, rape is never about sex. It's always about power, which then is tied to inequality. So people who do commit these crimes are always targeting those who they feel have less power than them. So you look at the intersections of someone who is Black, so it's not just their race, but it's their sex, their class, you know, how they identify sexually, ableism, ageism, all these different forms of oppression are compounded by the effects of victimhood and sexuality, which in turn is going to exacerbate trauma and the feeling of isolation that victims and survivors do have with one another. And then that just turns on how we enact or don't act in terms of engaging with one another and how we then expect other people in our community to express sexuality. So then you have people 
again, like kind of going back to the to the beginning of the conversation of like what is acceptable, what is okay, and then dealing with internalized oppression and you know why we have all these like respectability politics and so much violence where we just have so much shame and guilt because of all these things that happen to our bodies and we're still healing and trying to figure out what that means for us in this new age when it's still a situation where we're being used, we're being abused, we don't know where to go. Um, there's so much unpacking to still do and not really being sure of where to start that conversation sometimes because of the shame makes you want to be silent about it. So um, I think just really harboring on the fact that oppression, uh, like, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do you, either yeah. of you remember, like, how you came to know this history and, and how, like, how that felt when you started learning it? You know, that's really hard to answer because it's always around, I guess. I mean, I have people in my family, of course, who live during and through segregation and desegregation, talking about their experiences of living in certain neighborhoods. A lot of people always have that, that idiom where it's like, oh, when you cross the railroad tracks, you know you left the safe part of town or you're entering this part of town, you gotta be careful. And like growing up with those stories, like I can remember that from a very early age and then watching certain movies like Rosewood and I don't know, I'm thinking about it, but I'm also getting kind of sad a little bit because mm. it's it's such an early memory. It's not like I have a, a lot of other memories where it's like, oh, it's like this part of innocence. And then I found out all these terrible things about black history and black culture. It's like it was always there. Right. You mm. you never didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I have a similar reaction of like it, it not being explicitly taught, but always this like lingering feeling of why am I viewed differently so just even thinking about navigating school and because of the way my body developed in like middle school not being able to wear shorts or skirts even though everyone else in my grade could because on me it was seen as inappropriate even if it was like the same thing Mm. on this other person not understanding why because I, I have big lips, it's considered like the it was called like dick sucking lips, <sighs> and especially to be in a culture now where everyone wants big lips, it's like you don't <laughs> understand what people have gone through for these things. Does that make you so angry? There's just some things. Well, I, I mean, everyone has the right to do what they want to do with their body, <laughs> but I do think that like every like everyone ugh, everyone wants to be black, but no one wants to be black. So it's like mm-hmm. everyone wants like. Black features, the cool parts of Black culture, the fun part, the music, the style, the whatever, the body parts, but they don't want the shit that comes with it when it comes to, like, actually have it and to be Black in this country. So that's frustrating. So, yeah, I think I, I, I know of, like, all these experiences of, like, not understanding why, particularly about sex, hearing, like, oh, you know these dudes are interested in these white girls because they're easy, but then if, like, this Black girl is easy, then she's a hoe. We could be doing the same thing, wearing the same thing, whatever, but on on me, on a Black person is inappropriate or, like, seen as less than than if it's on someone who's not Black. No one in my family talked to me about sex. No one talked to me about my body. No one talked to me about, like, 
you are going to have hips at 11. You're going to have people who were like thinking you're older than what you are because you have a butt. Like no one had those conversations. So it's always these weird moments of feeling different, but not knowing why. So for me, it really wasn't until I was older and I started reading literature by black women. So thinking about like, um, their eyes are watching God by Zora Neale Hurston and Push by Sapphire and The Color Purple by Alice Walker to where I really got to see these narratives of Blackness and Black sexuality and Black sexual oppression and also Black sexual liberation and all of those stories to where I really started to like, I guess, piece together what the narrative really was. And then that which made sense of so many things looking back. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question that sort of centers pain and trauma, and then we're going to shift to talking about resistance and healing and liberation. But I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the folks that you work with or yourselves, if you want to talk personally, like how this sort of huge big picture history, how does it invade the the sort of, I'm going to say the bedroom, but obviously we have sex in all kinds of places. Like, like how does it show up in those moments? Rafaela, do you want to start? I think it, for me, it goes back to the expectations that Black people had in order to keep themselves safe growing up in a world that tells them that they have to continue to be silent, that they shouldn't speak up now. So really, like, the things that dictate their everyday movements and interactions. And you can't just put a huge circle around that and say, oh, this is the only way you can act between like your family members and in white culture or all these other places. Like it's going to spill over into all your interactions. Just that's just how we are as people. And I think with that being said, like you can see people still struggling to unwrap and repackage what it truly means to, to communicate well. Right. So if you grew up being told that when you're around a certain culture, certain people, that you have to put your head down and be quiet and shut up, then those traits sprinkle down to how you raise your kids, right? So Mm -hmm. if you tell your children, like, hey, this is grown folks business, you speak when you're spoken to, and that's how you know to behave, then as you start to grow and you start to interact with people your age or older people and become older yourself, like those behaviors are still hard. You can't expect people to just boom at 18, have the perfect communication skills after they've been told to shut up and sit down all their life. Right. Right. And not realizing that was probably being said to you to protect you. Right. Because in certain time period, if you spoke out of turn, that could mean that you got beaten. Right. 
that you were harassed, that you were called names. So it's like getting out of those behaviors where it was purely from survival, moving into a, a situation where you say, okay, we're, we're not living in the same conditions as before. So now it is a time where we should be able to speak up for ourselves and stand up for ourselves and claim what we want. It's really hard to make that tr- transition, especially now when you're living in a society that even when you're watching TV, people are um, telling you to go back to, you know, a country that you've never set foot in <laughs> or you don't belong here. Um, you don't have a place here telling you straight out that they don't want their schools to be desegregated or even though now we don't use that term, but when you really look at like redlining and who lives in certain neighborhoods because of money and taxes, like we're definitely still in that situation, right? So I think when you unpack all that stuff to then say like, oh, now you have to be an intimate person and bring those skills forth is really complicated. I work with a lot of people who have a hard time generally determining what their boundaries are, not with just sex and sexuality, but what people can say to them, how people should interact with them, what they should tolerate and not tolerate, or what should they tell people is okay and not okay. So it's really hard for them to like flip that switch. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm always trying to teach and help people understand is that sexuality and sex education is not just about sex. That's not where it starts. It starts with teaching people that their body is their own. And how do we as parents and adults not only honor that for our young people, but teach them that we're going to stand up for them if an adult or if another kid tries to take that power away from them. Right? Yes. And so it... And people have a hard time grappling that idea. And especially now when everything is like so much about like BDSM and kink and we're just so sexually liberated and free, we're going to do everything. So people always think like, what are you going to be teaching the kids? Like, are you going to be talking to them about dildos? And like, okay, that might, <laughs> it might come up. You know, if you go in a room with 10 and 12 year olds, like they know a lot of stuff, you know, they have internet. <laughs> That's not where we're starting off. And to really help people understand that it's such a huge disservice to not be having these conversations with people and really it just emphasizes how much power they don't have over their own bodies and mm-hmm. how they try to pull some of that power back. But usually it's not within themselves. It's, again, exerting power over other people because when you're an oppressed person, sometimes you're more likely to internalize that oppression and then try to replicate what that looks like in your right. life. Right, you learn that's how power works, right? Exactly. So, yeah, when, so when you ask that question about, like, literally how people are, I think that is because that's how we have been and really trying to reinvent and reimagine um, what that means and looks like. And Delisha says, we have to imagine what we want our life to be like, because if we don't, we're going to just continue to replicate all of the negative, the unhappy things. Delisha, say it. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Lay it on us, Delisha. I think what we're often trying to communicate is that with us talking to people about sexual liberation, what they desire, and helping people move towards that, we're trying to counter this idea that people should just be barely navigating and surviving trauma and pain and that that's their entire existence. So we always say that we want to build a world based off of pleasure because we know the absence of pain is not pleasure and we want a world based off of the things that we want to desire the things that we want to experience not just a world off of like the things that we're avoiding if that makes sense yes the absence of pain is not pleasure i love that that's so important thank you well let's talk about that then let's talk about how 
you're helping the folks you work with find pleasure and not just the absence of pain. Give us some examples. What do you what are you doing? To start, typically like um sex education is not like off the table when it comes to people to blame about how they've like how the field has interacted with black people in this country and so much modern gynecology is based off of white men doing operations on black women's bodies and so um the tuskegee experiment Mm -hmm. all of these different things and the conversation that typically comes to the black community around sex is around unplanned pregnancy avoiding stis trauma it's always like these fear-based things it's always these things about like the pain and the trauma around sex and that's what we should avoid and when you're already navigating a black experience in this country where everything is always telling you how like Raphael was saying how to survive because you got to navigate whiteness and like how to like feel afraid all the time of your body when you're told that your body is seen as a weapon when your body is not beautiful when your body is not lovable is hypersexual all these different things that you're having to navigate people telling you only the negative things about sex feels like a disservice so for us we almost very rarely talk about those things um we really try to center our work online and in real life around creating spaces for people of color particularly black people to talk about pleasure and the things that they desire and want to experience for their body so whether we're doing workshops or we're talking about sexual fantasies or masturbation or radical twerking or opening up communication with people with whether between families or between people in partnership all of these things we try to get people to answer the question of what is it that they truly want to experience like I don't not that you don't want to be physically abused or that you don't want to be sexually abused all of those things are yes we don't want to experience that that should be the bare minimum yeah it should be the fucking baseline right the baseline (laughs) but put away all of that shit and what do you really want like what is it like how do you want to feel when you wake up what makes you feel your sexiest what makes you feel alive how do you like navigate this world feeling and connected to your body in tune with your body like you want to be in your body how do you affirm your body love your body all of these different things and so we try to create spaces where we're talking about the things that we want to do or things that we are interested in and the fun stuff about sex and the pleasure about sex so that we can really start moving towards that instead of just talking about all the ways that we have to avoid and navigate pain and the negative sides of sex. I love that. And I know I asked you to do this awful thing in the beginning of the show, which is talk about all the pain and oppression. And so I wonder if you also, I can't only imagine you also have examples from that same history of resistance and pleasure like whether people who resisted and and insisted on liberation or tactics like what do you what is the yummy stuff that you take from black the black history of the united states um yeah so one of my favorite stories okay so post slavery the the black community i mean broke off into many communities but the two communities that we often talk about is um we, we got people who went into the church who became very religious. And then we had people who, what they call them, uh, they call them devil worshipers, but the people who went into like music and like the club scene and blues music. And so you had this fracture of people who, who went into bars and you had women who were drinking and singing blues and talking about sex and talking about 
their husband and their boyfriend and their girlfriend and their lovers and all of these things that was considered, you know, not appropriate at the time. And what I really love about the blues women to thinking about Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey um, is that in the church, the idea of femininity that was held up was a replication of white women. So it was this replication of like purity and like uh, virginity and having to be what white women were were confined to because of patriarchy. And so there was this respectability politics and like, oh, they think we're hypersexual, so we're going to be borderline asexual and be extremely pure and prove that they're wrong, right? And so then you had a group of people who went that direction. And then you have these blues women who were kind of just like, fuck all of that. Fuck what white women are doing. Fuck what y'all are doing. We're going to be out here talking about queer sex and like having multiple lovers and about like relationships and heartbreak and all of these things and so I mean I really feel like those were the women who actually held sexual liberation up for everyone in the, who is in this country today because they were the ones who were resisting even against the patriarchy that a lot of white women had brought into mm-hmm. even like looking back at their lyrics and being like I cannot believe you were talking about your husband and your girlfriend at this time period this is amazing <laughs> and, and I think I think black women artists have really continued that so even looking at a Nicki Minaj a Rihanna a Cardi B a Lil Kim um, all of these artists who have kind of like maintained it and like this black sexuality in this way that is very much against what culture what what, like the white culture says is appropriate for anyone to be sexual and so I I do see those earlier women as holding up sexual liberation for all of us and and so it's kind of frustrating when you see the field as and the conversations of sexual liberation looking extremely white these days because Mm. black women have been here prior to y'all talking about sexual liberation, like they have been here saying like, we have a right to do what we want to do with our bodies and we don't have to replicate what we're seeing in white women. Yes. Yeah. And the field is so fucking white now. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been tough for you sort of breaking in? Like because the field at the moment is so fucking white dominated? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're doing a, a really, really great job at letting people know like what our mission and vision is and people know that our work that we're doing started from the work that we started doing with ourselves as black women and what that meant and then how from there we wanted to make sure that we continue to share not only our experiences but like to invite people on this journey of sexual liberation that we were trying to forge for ourselves so with that being said it's like there's no that we have to find ourselves in because we're creating our own for our own experiences for people who look like us who are going through the same thing so I don't think it's been hard in that way and then also recognizing that because we're doing this work kind of like you know FUBU for us by us that people recognize that and want to embrace us like we haven't had any issues with trying to navigate the sex education world for lack of visibility or quote-unquote clients or you know participants or whatever you want to call them like every everyone has in some way or form looked at our work or heard us and said yes this is exactly the same thing that I thought I was missing or I already knew I was missing I was looking for or just trying to find community because that has been our biggest thing is meeting people who through community have learned that it's not just me I'm not crazy or, you know, unwanted or undesirable, whatever the case is, because there is so much silence regarding these topics when you get in a situation where everyone is able to say, 
or even give a head nod or some snaps or mm-hmm, one of those, whatever the case is, it feels like home. And it feels like this is what I've been waiting for because I knew that there was something out there. There are people out there who may have had some similarities, but I just didn't know where to find them. So, yeah, I think the, the question is not really like, can we find space in the world of white sex educators? Because that's not that's not it. That's not us. Because you don't care. <laughs> right, right. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> you are not asking for permission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'd love to spend the last minutes we have together asking you to envision the future history of Black folks in the United States around sexuality. Like, if I were a genie and I could get, grant you three wishes to, like, change stuff in the area that you're working in, which what would be the three most important things that you would want to wish for? So, um, I don't know all, all of my three, but, like, the first thing that I am thinking about is I would love for there to be so much representation of Black, queer, trans, differently abled, different class, whatever, like sexual, loving, romantic relationships, like so many that the white, cis, hetero gaze is like not what we have to fight against and have to unpack when it comes to like our bodies and our sexuality. I want younger Black people who are growing up to, like, see such an array of representation of Black sexuality that they don't have to feel like they have to go looking for something where they can say, like, oh, hey, that's me. I yes. just want there to be so much. Yeah. And so they don't have to be like, oh, this one representation isn't quite what I need, and therefore it's problematic, which is, right. I think, what happens so often is that you get so little representation, and then you're like, but this representation isn't quite right either. And then right. we act like that particular representation is the problem and not the absolute dearth of variety. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's wish one. Love it. <laughs> you guys have two more wishes. Oh, well, what else? I mean, the future, I want that to be like significantly less trauma and violence in this world. Yeah, you can wish for like, that. I, I, I want that to happen. Like, I, I don't necessarily think I believe in a utopia, but the amount of violence that is normalized in this culture is ridiculous. And, but I, I think that, like, when you have a country where its foundation starts off with intentional attempt of genocide of indigenous people and enslavement of black people, you have to maintain a certain level of violence so that we never have to like question the original sin of this country. And so I think we're just in this path of like adding violence on top of violence, on top of violence, on top of violence. And I would just really like for us to, to really undo that. So your wish, that. your wish would be like the United States deals with its dual original sins. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. really genuinely deals with it. Genuinely deal with it. And I think the soil and the soul of this land is riddled with blood. And I think until we address that, like, the fruit, like, you, we're not going to bear good fruit. So, yeah, that's my wish number two. Okay, Raphael, you got wish number three. All right. One wish left. Make it good. I don't even know how I can follow that. Um, yes, you can. See, <laughs> say, Okay. Um, <laughs> my wish would be that you know one of the things that 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 really propels a lot of 
um, like our self-doubt and insecurities. It's like how we relate to self. And I guess, I don't even know this, this may not even count because I feel myself drifting over to your wish number one, <laughs> but <laughs> as I'm talking, but I'm really like trying to think about what it would be like to really, to be okay with ourselves in the bodies that we are in. Um, not saying like, you know, we're gonna wake up one morning and just feel like everything is perfect because it's not going to be that way, but just growing into a society where we're not constantly trying to sell something to do ourselves over or make us feel bad for the way that we look or shame others for the way that they look. And like literally just saying like, this is the body that I have and it is doing what it needs to do to help me navigate throughout the day. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think that if we if we really can get to that point where we're truly is happy with ourselves and we're working what we have, then there won't be so much fight for power, so much fight for the ego to to really take up so much space. I I mean I kind of have chills at the end here, so <laughs> it's a I, good place to end. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I want to just really take a minute to thank you. I know I asked you to do hard shit that you're probably tired of doing in the beginning of this conversation. Um, (laughs) And I just want to acknowledge and appreciate your willingness to do that. Thank you for the gratitude. Yeah. So how can people follow your work? How can people sign up to work with you all? How can people support your work financially or otherwise? Like tell us all the details of how to get involved in whatever capacity. So you can definitely check us out first on the interwebs. We have um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and of course a website. So if you just type in Afro Sexology, you will find us everywhere. And we love, like I know we talked about, you know, community. So we love bringing our workshops to places. So on our website, you can hit us up to find out how you can bring Afro Sexology to you. And if you want to take your support a step beyond, we actually have some merchandise that can um, help facilitate a deeper understanding of you and your solo sex journey. So we have a workbook that's on our website. And we also have some really, 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 really dope merch where you can promote sex positive messages by wearing them on your bosom. So check that out and buy some stuff and support us and hit us up and message us. And we're always like really engaged and active. So yeah, we want to hear what your experiences are and what you have to say. We love starting this conversation and dialogue with folks. Do you have any workshops coming up that you want to plug? Yeah. So we don't have a workshop, but we are going to be on the Explore More Summit with John Sarah. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. So definitely um you can check out our social media to find links for those who want to sign up and not really sure yet when our talk will be broadcasted but just sign up for it and you'll get everything that you need to see our talk and your talk yeah and by the time you hear this podcast the schedule will definitely be up so just look for explore more summit on afrosexology's site or mine and uh you'll find all of the details thank you for reminding me of that 
And you can find me at JacquelineFriedman.com. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jacqueline F, on Instagram at Jacqueline Fable. Uh, you can find this podcast pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Or if we're not somewhere you want to listen to this podcast, you should tell me and I'll try and make it be in that place. Uh, while you're in there, give me five stars. Give us a little two-sentence review. It really helps people find the show. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the amazing Natalia Rodriguez. Our in-and-out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.